Hi, I'm Jennifer Smith. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Scribe, and I'm excited to have a productive conversation with Mike Vardy. Welcome to A Productive Conversation. It's me, Mike Vardy, and I'm joined by Jennifer Smith on the program today. Now, you may not know who Jennifer Smith is, but if she's right, the way that anyone shares how-to knowledge is about to change forever. A former VC and McKinsey consultant turned accidental CEO, Jennifer has interviewed more than 1,200 business leaders on a quest to understand everything that there is to know about processes, best practices, and productivity. We geek out about that stuff during this conversation today. Uh, now with her startup Scribe, she's empowering people to own their processes by building the world's first operating system for know-how. And I have to say, I was really impressed when I encountered Scribe. I mention where I discovered Scribe. We geek out about quantitative and qualitative productivity. Those are hot button topics from yours truly. And Inbox Zero comes up. There's a whole bunch of things that we, again, geek out about. So let's get to it. Here is my productive conversation with Jennifer Smith. Enjoy. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me today. I have to say that I'm fairly new to Scribe. I'm surprised that I didn't come across it sooner, and I have to thank um, Scott Friesen for introducing me to it, Simpletivity. We, I think we've got an episode of him on the show that we'll link back to in the show notes, and I'll also link to his channel, because he's done like a really good video featuring Scribe. Uh, for those that don't know what Scribe is, uh, can you share a little bit, not just of what it is, but the problem that you were trying to solve, which is why you, you know, kind of brought it, helped bring it into the world? Yeah, I, I get this reaction a lot. Once people see Scribe, they say, how have I never seen this before? Oh, I wish I had had this, you know, last month when I had to create all of this documentation and I, and I wasted so much time. And I would say, well, I, I'm sorry, but <laughs> here, here you have it now. <laughs> um, so the idea behind Scribe was you have all of this knowledge on how to do something. There's all of this expertise, this process knowledge. And we spend a lot of time sharing that with each other, right? Whether you are trying to ramp up a new hire on your team, whether you hired a, a virtual assistant and you're trying to delegate some tasks to them, or whether you're just simply getting a lot of questions from colleagues who say, hey, wait a minute, Mike, I know you know how to do this. Can you quickly show me how? Or clients who say, hey, wait, can you show me how to do that thing? How am I supposed to access the thing you sent me? There are all of these questions and interruptions that we get in our day, and you spend a lot of time communicating with each other, this kind of process knowledge. And, and people are often faced with a dilemma. Do I actually do my work? I have more work than I have time for. Do I actually take time away and, and like document what I know how to do or answer all of those questions that are piling up? And so with Scribe, we said, well, what if it weren't an either or? What if it were an ant? What if we could watch you do work and automatically create documentation about what you know how to do? What if documentation became like digital exhaust, just the byproduct of you already doing the work, already doing the things you were planning on doing? And so the way that Scribeworks is very simple at a high level, it's, it's a desktop application or a browser extension. You click the record button and you just do the thing you know how to do. Let's say it's like, how do I generate my quarterly report, right? You click record, type, 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 generate your quarterly report, do your magic. When you're done, you click stop record and boom, Scribe will auto-generate a step-by-step -step written guide with screenshots on how to generate a quarterly report. Like very tactically, let's say it was in Salesforce. Step one will be navigate to www.salesforce.com. Step two, 
click on the add new icon, step three, right? And so on and so forth. And there's a whole bunch of ways you can customize it and add that. But the point is you don't really have to, right? All the info someone would now need to know how to do that process is automatically contained in that scribe. And now you have what, what you've basically turned your, your, um, your knowledge in your head into a scalable form of media that you can now send to that one person that one time, maybe they have that question, but there's probably more of those coming down the pike, right? And so now that's something that you have in your back pocket and you can share or even make available to those people so they don't even ever ask you and they find it themselves. Um, and you are now scaling that knowledge that you have across you know, whomever you need to know, whether that's a, a colleague or, or a client or a customer or someone in your community. So it removes that friction piece that, that we run into so much, which is like the either or, right? Like that, that piece of like, well, I don't have time to do this right now. I'm just going to do it myself. Or, exactly. oh, or, or they've done it. That's, and I've done this before. And I know I'm not alone. I've done it. I'm like, oh, crap. I should have I documented it while I did it. Um, or the recording a video, for example, which I've done many times and, you know, either flubbed, I've made it too personal, like, hey, person that's working for me right now, here's how you do this thing. And then all of a sudden that person's not working any for me anymore, or they may not have a Mac and they have a windows machine instead or something like that. So that friction point gets removed. What are some of the pieces of friction that when it comes to delegation, because I think that's a, that's a key piece of, of this, right? That you find that still needs to be taken into account that while scribe solves one big piece of it, I think that people still need to be thoughtful and mindful about when they're, when they're doing this kind of delegation, because the, the, the idea of delegation alone, I think for some people, especially those that are working on their own, or maybe they have an assistant that they're just onboarding, it's still something that they are struggling with. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a famous proverb, which is like, uh, everyone should meditate if you don't have enough time to meditate, you know, everyone should meditate for 10 minutes a day. If you don't have enough time to meditate, you should meditate for 20 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. And I think delegation is the same way. If you say, hey, I don't actually have time to delegate, that means you need to be delegating even more, right? That's, that's a sign that you're too overwhelmed and you have too much on your plate. Um, and it can be hard, especially when you feel like you're already underwater and don't have time to get someone else up to speed, right? And and there's a lot involved in getting someone up to speed. Part of it, part of it we solve with Scribe. Part of it we don't, right? Part of it is like, how do I find the right person? Right. Who's the right? What what work actually needs to be done? Who do I think has like the raw skill set that's needed? So the who, there's the why you know, helping them understand why this is important, right? Why are we actually doing this? What is the context? How does this fit into the bigger picture? Like helping them with, with sort of the motivation for why they should care and why they should do a good job. And then there's the how, the actual like, okay, you're going to sit down to your computer and do this thing that I've asked you to do. How do you actually do that? And I think we we usually like do a pretty good job in those first two, right? You sort of say, oh, okay, I know Sally's the right person for this. Hey, Sally, can you help me with this report? We have to send it to our clients by the end of the month. We send it to them every month, right? And they use it to make these decisions. Sally's like, okay, I got it, great. And then you're like, so go do it. <laughs> and Sally's like, whoa, wait a minute, how do I do that, right? And and usually like the experience for Sally is that maybe you're screen sharing with her, maybe you sent her a quick video or something, or maybe she's just kind of sitting there and trying to figure it out on her own and, and popping her head up. And so the whole idea behind Scribe was, well, what if you could just do it and automatically get all the instructions 
to Sally or whomever Sally is, right? And it was just through the course of you doing that work. And and we thought a lot about what's the right form factor for that too, right? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times we'll do trainings or or onboardings or or any just time we're showing someone the temptations to do it over Zoom, right? Or some kind of video conference. And that that feels good because you're like, oh, I, it's high bandwidth. I can communicate a lot of information in a short amount of time. Same thing with recording async video. But I'll tell you, there's a few really important ways in which that falls down, right? right First right. of all, you're taking 30, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes of your time to sit down and have that conversation, right? And there's a lot of filler that happens in that that is not just the, here's the 90 seconds on how you got to do this task, Sally, right? And then um, for Sally on the other side, I can't tell you how many people have told me in confidence to like, I sat through the 60 minutes with the person and they were so helpful and it was wonderful. And I got off the phone and I forgot what they said and I got tripped up and I couldn't figure it out. And even if they recorded it, they're then sitting there trying to like follow along themselves, pause, rewind, fast forward. They're kind of scrubbing through. To your point, it's not an enduring doc. You didn't create something that's scalable media, right? Mm-hmm. You created something that is still a one-on-one, one-time kind of communication. And so we said, okay, well, what are the best parts of showing someone in person or, or sending them a video? It's the fact that it's foolproof. It's unambiguous, right? You're literally showing, click here, step here, do this. And so, well, what if you could have a way that you automatically generate that? It's really, really easy and low friction but it's in a format that is now very easy for you to edit later if anything changes or not. We're not doing a whole nother Zoom. We're not re-recording video. And what if it's in a format on the other side that the person can self-pace through, right? Maybe they just forgot step six when they have to go back to reference it, right? Or or maybe like they're following along and, you know, they can jump ahead to step 10 or or whatever it might be. And so that's where we thought a lot from a design perspective about like how do humans learn? What's an easy way to communicate and to learn? And for something that is very tactical, like how do I do a process, a step-by-step visual guide with screenshots is the best, most unambiguous, foolproof way to be able to transfer and share that knowledge. And I think we've all known that intuitively. People will create this documentation anyways, but it just takes a lot of time, right? If you've ever sat there like copy-pasting screenshots and writing out a step-by-step guide for someone, that is very time-intensive. And 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 it becomes... the the friction just builds like every, like if you do it once, it's like, okay. And then, and then, Oh, I have to do it again. Like it just builds. And it's not, it's really interesting because I think some of the biases that show up are like, I, I don't have time to do that. I have so many other things that I'm trying to do. And the interesting thing is that when you, I believe when, when we slow down, which seems like the exact opposite of being productive. Like when we slow down and take a beat and realize, okay, you know, this is something that, how do I know I need to do this? How do I do this in a thoughtful way? When you have a tool that can help you with that, I think that's the secondary piece is, is learning to slow down and be thoughtful about it. And then knowing you've got the tool. So I'd be curious to, 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 to find out from you, like when, did the pain become so great for you that you're like, okay, I need to build something. Like I need to actually, because building a tool, especially one that, that you're already going to be facing an uphill battle to a degree because people are be like, well, I already have so many tools. Why do I need to add another one to the toolkit? Yeah. But, but you, you want to have that aha moment. You must've had like that friction moment for you, which is like, Oh, that's it. I'm making this thing. Um, verse versus, when someone starts using it, like when I watch Scott's video, I'm like, holy crap. Okay. I need to start 
yes, it's going to take me some time to add this to my toolkit, but man, I can see the payoff. I'd love to hear the, the journey that you took and what someone can expect when they take that journey as well. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, tool fatigue is real, right? And so you got to think for anyone building tools, like, are you adding more than you're subtracting? Because you're subtracting something like by the, by the fact that you're like, it's another cognitive load, another thing for someone to sort of like be managing and carrying in their head and think about how do I use this? When do I use this? There's the whole friction and learning curve to get started. <clears throat> so there's a, a famous Steve Jobs quote that says you can kind of connect the dots in your life, but only when you look backwards. And, mm-hmm. and that's how I feel very much like this is a problem that has nagged at me for over 15 years. So I started my career um, as a management consultant at McKinsey in the operations practice. So that functionally meant I would go into operations centers and for nine to five, look over the shoulder of agents who are alt-tabbing between about 12 different screens, frantically trying to type information. I mean, if you want to talk about like feeling overwhelmed, like there's too much to do, go into an operations center where you are clocked literally every minute for how you are spending your time and constantly have performance improvement goals for how to be more efficient, right? And so like a a pretty high pressure situation, lots of empathy for for folks who are in those worlds. And they're they're just like the rest of us trying to get through their job and do the best they can as quickly as they can and move on. And what I saw was, you know, as, as a consultant, my job was figure out who the best person was in that op center and sit next to them. Mm-hmm. And I would just ask them, what are you doing differently than everyone else that makes your performance better? And what they would say to me was, oh, well, look, here's all the stuff I was trained to do. And I'm dating myself. They take a really thick binder and they thuck it on the desk and be like, this is, I had to study this for two weeks and learn. It's all this painful documentation, you know, like hurts your eyes. Um, I studied that for two weeks. I found like 50 different better ways. <laughs> so let me show you what I do, right? I do it like here, here, here instead. And this, 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 and that. I was like, well, have you told anyone like these better ways? And they'd be like, ah, maybe Joe who sits next to me, right? You know, but but no, like I'm too busy kind of just doing what I'm doing. And so my job as a consultant was figure out what that best person's doing and like write it up and sell it back to my clients for a whole bunch of money. And I always thought like, well, if there had just been a better way for that person to capture what they knew how to do, like everyone else around them could have now become superstars like they were. And I sort of looked at that and said, well, that's like an obvious problem. Someone will solve that someday, certainly, right? And then you fast forward 10 years later and I'm working in tech um, uh, at a venture capital firm. And I spent a lot of my time talking to buyers of enterprise software. Um, So people in large companies and, and just asking them like, what kinds of problems are you traveling to, trying to solve? Like, where, where do you see pain points? And I kept hearing this story around, well, my, my company runs on institutional know-how, like these processes. What are people doing every day when their fingers on keyboard, like just trying to get work done? 
And that always walks out the door and I got to hope it comes back the next day. And I wish I had ways to help them share with each other what they're doing because we could all be so much better. But my only option is to tell someone like, take time away from your job and write down what you know how to do. Like, that's not a popular request to your point, right? Maybe you do it once and you're happy to do it. But after that, you're like, really, is this, is this what I'm going to be spending a lot of my time doing? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I think of Scribe as solving a problem that we all just accept is a cost of doing business. Like I think everyone would say, yeah, I get interrupted all when I stop and think about it. Yeah. I get interrupted all the time with people pinging me. Hey, quickly, can you show me how to do this? Or I'm constantly like having to ask people or trying to figure it out. McKinsey did a study and they estimate this is 20% of a person's week. (laughs) One day out of five, you are spending, if you are a knowledge worker, trying to figure out how to do your job or answer questions for other people on how to do their jobs. And we've actually had customers who do dedicated detailed time studies, like down, like lawyers down to seven minute increments, like how are people spending their time? And they have found it's anywhere from 10 to 15% is spent literally just asking each other, like, can you show me how I do this? Oh, can you help me figure out how to do that? And we say like, well, yeah, that, that's work. That's just the way it is. And, and I say like, no, that's that's such a colossal waste of time. What if we could take that away? What if you could get that 10 to 20% time back? Yeah, I, I think that that's interesting because this is a good example of how quantitative time measurement can lead to qualitative productivity, right? Like if you're if you're looking at the things, and I bring up email a lot, you know, like the idea of people trying to get to inbox. Oh, zero. controversial topic. Um, it came up on Twitter not too long ago where I said, uh, there was an article I quoted, oh, we'll put a link to it in the show notes about the great overwhelmed because now it's not just email you're trying to get to zero. It's your Instagram feed. It's your direct messages. There's it's your, so many ways for people to reach you. Right. And, and you're trying to get to zero and it's not just people trying to reach you, but your own demands of like, I want to get all these podcasts caught up. I want to get this Netflix. So it's all like trying to get things to zero and it's becoming this overwhelming thing. And I said, well, you know, the inbox zero thing is not what it meant was, you know, the corrupted form of inbox zero. And someone was like, what do you mean corrupted? I don't understand. I'm like, I just linked to the other article where Merlin Mann, who create, coined the term Inbox Zero, said this is – Inbox Zero is not what you think it means. But because it's such a quantitative – like I got my email to zero, it creates this sense of, oh, well, that's good. You were productive, right? It's the same thing with, like, well, I showed this person how to do this. I showed this person how to do that. But you're sol- – like, again, Scribe solves this problem. And the fact that you were trying to solve the problem even before building Scribe, you're like, how do we do this? If you can – if you can measure quantitatively, like, look how much time we're losing. Look how much, and it's not just, but the the energy that we're losing. The ability for people to pay attention to the things that only they can do. Yes. We're losing. Um, it can lead to real qualitative gains. What are some examples of what you've seen when people, like, I guess in your own, in your own business, like where you start to document this stuff, what are some of the, like, the gains that you've seen that you may not have gotten otherwise? Yeah. Collaboration overload is is so real. And you're about to get me on my, my soapbox here um, because we've technology has been wonderful uh, in that it has reduced the barriers to communication dramatically. It is now very easy for me to get in touch with you. I've got seven different ways I can do that. Right. I can LinkedIn message you. I can tweet you like if we're on a team, I can slack you. I can get on a Zoom with you. <clears throat> and so that's that's great that also has some real costs that we don't think about and we don't talk about very much because now it is so easy for you to ping me that I, like at this moment, I bet if I were to open it up just sitting here with you, I've probably gotten a whole bunch of slacks and messages and emails and all these sorts of things, right? And 
I think it's very easy for us to finish a day and say, gosh, I was so busy. I was so productive. And I said, well, what did you actually do? And it's, I spent a lot of my time in meetings, responding to slacks, catching up on threads, answering questions for people, et cetera. And I would say, well, okay, you were, you were busy, but did you actually do the thing that only you, Mike, uniquely can do? Like, did you do the Mike special sauce stuff today? How much of your day was that versus just like dealing with other people coming at you and what they're asking? And so, um, for the way we use Scribe internally, like quite heavily, as you'd imagine. And, you know, an interesting consequence for us has been we still spend a lot of time communicating with each other, but it, but it's never around, hey, how do I do this kind of stuff? Right. Because now we have a team repository. And anytime someone has a question on how to do something, when they're on that page, they just go with something called recommended scribes. They just pull up their scribe extension and they'll see, oh, okay, uh, Tiffany created a scribe on how to do this thing. And, you know, I'm not quite clear on how to do it. I'm just going to pull it up and follow along. Never had to talk to Tiffany about it, right? We found a way to make everyone at our company as good as the best expert we have in any given tool or on any given process, right? And it's kind of funny, like one of our, um, someone on our marketing team created a, a Slack bot um, just to just to troll people. That was going to trigger whenever anyone wrote a question like, hey, can someone show me how or how do I do this? And it pops up and says like, there's a scribe for that, you idiot. You should be like yep. using your own product, <laughs> right? And And like, it finally came up the other day because someone asked, some sort of question like something on like how do I dress for Halloween or something like that and like and the bot triggered and we were like Meg what like when did you create this and Meg was like I created this nine months ago and it has never triggered yeah up that, until now because none of those questions come through Slack there are all already avoided because like there's a scribe for that and people go find the scribe so th- there's a tipping point right like where the trust becomes um so palpable that, you know, okay, well, I don't even need to think about it. There'll be a scribe for that. It's the same thing with, yeah. um, and, and again, it comes back to being thoughtful, right? Like it, where you have to rebuild the, the habit of, okay, like an example would be like a text expander snippet. Text expander sponsored this, this podcast in the past. Who knows? They may have heard a text expander ad while they're listening to us right now. Um, and text expander does some great things in terms of you know, team wise, you can have snippets that, you know, you can populate. And there's other tools that do this as well. But the fact of the matter is, is no one spells productivity as wrong anymore because it's automatically and like you just type in this quick snippet and it's done. But the, where do you find that it, you could speak either for the organization, like for scribe itself or in, in, you know, when you've worked with others where it's gone from like, I'm not, I don't check that first. I don't check to see if there's a scribe or I don't check to see if there's a snippet to there's gotta be one. There's gotta be one like where, where that bot doesn't trigger. Like the fact that the bot triggers like, Oh, like, cause that's sending a signal too. like, Oh, we need to maybe highlight that scribe or we, maybe we need to talk to that person cause they're new and they didn't realize it or, or what have you. Like how, how does it, how long does it take for that habit in, in, in this case to become, you know, habitual? Yeah. It's, it's a great question. And as you can imagine, it, it like evolves over time. So what we'll typically see, like as I speak specifically to Scribe, because we see, I look at a lot of data around how mm-hmm. this habit forms. Um, and, and what you see is usually like there's one person who comes in and just starts like using Scribe. And they're usually the person will be like, why'd you start using Scribe? And they'd be like, do you know how many times I get asked questions by people on my team, right? Or I've got a project I'm hiring. I'm like onboarding a bunch of new people, or I just on-ramped a new VA or whatever. I had some sort of acute need, right? And I started creating a, a bunch of Scribes for it. 
And, and like, usually it'll happen in other channels. So people ask me a question in Slack and I send them a scribe, right? Or they send me a WhatsApp or email, whatever it is that you use, right? And then usually we see like, by the time they get like two or three of those as a response, people will then start saying like, hey, you can also start to find this content, right? Like I've, I've come on scribe with me, like come join my team. And now you'll be able to see there, right? If, right. if there's helpful content. And if people go in there and you've got kind of enough critical mass and they start to go around and they're like, oh, wow, actually, like there's a bunch of really helpful stuff in here from my team. And we think a lot from a product perspective about how do we not even make this another place you have to go check? What if we could meet you in the moment you're doing work, in the place you're doing work before you even have that question, right? So that this is what I was saying with like now recommended scribes where I'm in, uh, like I'm in Stripe, for example, right? Mm -hmm. I just do like our billing stuff. And we've got a, an expert here on the team, on our finance team who does a lot of our billing stuff. And, you know, before I would just like constantly ping her, hey, how do I do this in Stripe? It's very confusing. And now I literally will just pop up on the screen and I can like search for, I'm on this page right near, here are the three scribes that Tiffany has created for this page. And if I'm confused on how to do something, I can just kind of click on it and see it. And so what you're, what we're trying to get to from a product perspective is like before anyone even thinks to say, hey, I've got a question, let me go leave the flow of where I'm at and go find that information that's disruptive in and of itself. What if it could just come to me in the place that I'm at? And then you as the person creating that kind of content know like, gosh, I've got the distribution already. I don't even have to think to say like, Hey, Mike, by the way, I've created a bunch of really helpful resources for you. Like next time you have a question, make sure you go check it out. Now I'm like, nope, I can just push it out there. And if Mike's on my team, like I know when he goes into Stripe and got a question, like he'll have the, all the answers he needs. He doesn't even need to go like try to figure it out where it is. So this, I'm going to deviate here a little bit because as you talk about this stuff, Jennifer, I can't help but sense the, the passion and excitement. <laughs> and yeah, I've talked to lots of founders about you know, their, their, their products and services before. Um, but there's just something that I'm, there's a vibe that I get like how, how versus where, what you were doing prior to this, to what you're doing now, what, what's changed in you as a, as a, as a, as a worker, as a person, because I mean, you've brought something you've helped bring something into the world. It's not just you, obviously you've got a team. But just there's like, I mean, we're on Zoom right now, which by the way, we're using Zoom because another tool, speaking of tool fatigue, was very challenging to use. So it be, sometimes you revert back. But in this case, like you've, you've built something that I can sense there's a fire, there's a, there's a passion there that like, how have you changed through this process as well? Not just in terms of like the, the thing that Scribe can do for you, but like tactically, but more at, at, at a higher level. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm obsessed with efficiency in case that wasn't obvious. And I had a professor in business school who said, find the thing about yourself that you are always apologizing for and find a way to make money off of it. Um, and if you were to ask my husband what some of his top pet peeves about me are, uh, probably the fact that I am trying to always get as much done and as little amount of time as possible would top the list. I'm the person who I've got five chores. I will like map out my route to go run the chores and like try to get them all done at the same time. Like the least amount just was the most efficient configuration for this. Um, and so I, I care a lot about how I spend my time and, and what that looks like. And, you know, as I grew in my career to manage teams, I care, I cared a lot about, you know, how they spent their time and, and making sure they're efficient. I think the transition for me with Scribe was, well, gosh, could I help 
have that impact on people's lives, like at scale, like far beyond even anyone that I've just met and personally interacted with. And I looked at where do I feel like there are just the biggest, I call them time vampires. Mm -hmm. uh, where are the biggest like time vampires? Where are people spending their time that is just not a good use of human time? Where are their tasks that is not anyone's special sauce, right? The thing that like is their superpower. How do I make it so people spend as much of their day on their superpower as possible? And we can use technology to pull away or, or automate or reduce the rest of it. And I feel like with Scribe, we're solving a problem that is in plain sight. And it's something that we just sort of assume is the cost of being a knowledge worker. Well, of course, I'm going to get interrupted with questions all the time. Like, of course, I have to figure out how to explain people what I know how to do. Like, of course, using new tools is hard and I have to like take time to show people how to do it. That's just part of being a knowledge worker. And I said, well, what if it isn't? <laughs> like, what if I could, what if I could give people back even 5% of their week? And what if I could do that across all the knowledge workers in the world? Like that, like what more could I ask for in like a career and a life, right? I mean, to me, that's very exciting. We all have our passions. To me, it's like helping people save time and, and spend more time, not just save the time, but be able to spend that time doing the thing that they love doing. The reason they do that job. There's a reason you wake up every morning and you do the thing that you do. And how much of your day are you spending doing that actual thing that you love doing versus dealing with all this other stuff? And so I'm here to say, well, let's help get rid of some of that other stuff. And that... My question was going to be why, but you answered it. Like the idea of why do you do it? Like, because efficiency is important, but to what end? And you've explained the end, right? Like to what end is. Um, last question before we wrap things up. Uh, and this came to mind as I was, again, initially being introduced to Scribe. And, and a lot of people hire people to fill positions that technology can take care of. Let me give you an example. I use SavvyCal for scheduling, right? I love the, I mean, I've used other scheduling programs in the past, but as of this recording, SavvyCal is the one I use. And the reason, I mean, you would you would have used it so that we could have this conversation today. Um, the reason is because I don't want to have an email back and forth dance about when we can do something, right? I also we don't need that. to, right. And, and I think the other thing is, is that there is nuance there, right? Like if, if I... I've used this before. Like if I want to talk to someone specifically, I'm not going to send them my scheduling link, but I, we will do a bit of a back and forth because maybe that's me asking them. I don't want to presume that, Oh, let's have a talk. Okay. Here's my link. Like it depends. There's a dynamic there. Right. But what I find is, and I see this a lot is I'll try to schedule something and they're like, well, talk to my assistant. And then the assistant is doing this back and forth. I'm like, why don't you just have a scheduling thing and let them speaking a special sauce don't not hire an assistant but get them to do the only things that they can do so i'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well because i think there's a concern twofold number one some ai in particular and technology is allowing those jobs that were done by people to be squeezed out scheduling um processes things like that but by the same token it's also, and we talked about this before, the person hiring might go or, or setting the tone might go, oh man, I don't want to spend time doing, you know, this or that or, or, or filling out, filling out a process. Or in my case, going into my schedule and blocking out time, like that's not something I should be doing. You can get your assistant to do that. Like, let's be clear. I'd like to get your thoughts on like the, the human jobs to be done versus the jobs that technology can do and how people 
who are concerned either hiring and training versus those that are like, wait, I'm an assistant. What will I do if I don't do those things? Where does that fit in? Because you've worked in those instances where you've probably had people that book appointments when that's probably not necessary anymore. Or let's build a wiki and let's do that and see how, you know what I mean? Yeah, I got asked, I mean, I'm a technologist, right? And I get I get asked this question a lot about automation. And I think there's like so much fear mongering. You read headlines, you know, like the robots are coming for our jobs and all of that. I believe there will only ever be more human work to be done in the future as technology penetration increases. And that's because like the stuff that is the special sauce of what humans do, we are nowhere near being able to replicate with technology. Yeah, I mean, let's be clear. You, you, you've read the AI scripts to be like, I gave, <laughs> I entered a Batman, like all this Batman stuff. And here's what AI spit out as a script. And you're like, that's terrible. Right. Yeah. So right. you're right. <laughs> right. Right. And you know, my, my push or challenge to people would be like, what's the reason you took that job? And I, I guarantee you it's for something that is a human element. Like people take pride in their work. I bet the assistant would say, when you ask, why do you like being an assistant? Why do you do your job? I don't think they would say, I like answering emails to book meetings, right? <laughs> I think they would say, I really like helping the person that I work with, like be more productive in how they use their time, right? I really like thinking about how we can put systems in place to make this team more efficient, right? They might, they might have a number of different answers, but it's, it's not that tactical stuff. And so um, I very much think of automation as a story of how do we pull away Frankly, the parts of work that are not human, they're, they're almost like, I think, degrading to the human spirit. We do them, we, we tolerate them as part of our jobs because that's part of our jobs. And it means I get to do this other stuff that mm-hmm. I really care about and love doing. And so it's worthwhile as a whole. I do all of it and that's great. But let's pull away those parts. And technology is not very sophisticated right now. It can, it can do some simple stuff. It cannot do human level stuff. And that human level stuff becomes even more important in a world where you can automate away this stuff. And so I think my story for everyone is like, don't be afraid of it, embrace it and think about, well, what if I now had more time to be able to do the stuff I actually like doing, you know, the stuff that's unique and special to me. Well, and the nice, human. Yeah. And the nice thing is there's nuance. I, I'll give you an example. We, we only record podcasts on Wednesdays. Generally, that's been my schedule. And Somebody else wanted to book, like we were doing a, there was a bit of an email. We said, here's the link. And they're like, well, this person doesn't do things like that on Wednesdays. So now you're faced with a choice. See, it, before you're not faced with a choice. It's too wide too like, there, there could be so much dynamic stuff going on. In this case, it's like, okay, do we now do a dance back and forth? Yes, we want this person on. So let's, or do we go, you know what? We don't want to have this problem show up again. Maybe we need to look at our availability and go, Mike, maybe you don't just, maybe you have Wednesdays, but you also have, th- maybe you divide your days up a little bit differently. Cause some people are probably also following the same format you do, where it's just like no podcast interviews other than Wednesdays. Maybe you got to go like, okay, well we do them Wednesday and Thursday afternoons. That creates a bit more options. But the nice thing is you get choice there. Same thing with a process, right? Like we missed this. Oh, we forgot this step. The nice thing with Scribe is that you can edit that. Like it's not yeah. like it's not like you have to redo the whole Humans thing. Humans can override these systems, right. right? I mean, I think of these systems as sort of like you're catching the majority cases and then 
that's part of the human special sauce yeah. is dealing with exceptions. Yeah. Right? That's, yeah like, like, that's part of what we're great at. Well, and the smoke, like if you have an automated smoke alarm and it goes off in the house because you burnt toast, but you're still standing there, do you run out of the house screaming, oh no, the alarm's going up? Like, no, you right. you bypass, you go, no, relax. I'm going to open a window. It's just toast. It's it's very similar in that you can go, okay, well, we know we're going to, we're going to force this open. But I think the key is, is that you learn from it too. Like, okay, we missed this. And, and I think a lot of people, and I'm being very general here, obviously, but the idea is we, if I leave it this way, I can set it and forget it. And that's, you can set it, but you can never forget it, right? Like you can set it and then adapt it, I think is probably the best way to look at it because tools change, processes change, nuance shows up that you might want to work into the process, or maybe you don't. But, but that's the stuff, like you said, only humans can do, right? Yeah, I, I have yet to, I mean, I talked to a lot of scribe users, right? We, you can say we basically are automation for your documentation. We mm -hmm. automatically create documentation for what you know how to do. And, um, you know, we run surveys and we ask users, like, what would you do if you didn't have scribe in your in your life? And like, by the way, 5% of people literally answer cry, like actually verbatim. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the like? Is there something about our user base that they like are more attendant you know, to, to cry or what? Um, but you know, everyone's like, oh, I would, I would go back to doing doing it manually, and it would be horrible. <laughs> no, right? No, no one says like, oh gosh, I really enjoyed doing that work. Right? Yep. Everyone says, I've already done the hard part. Like, I know how to do something that's special and unique and valuable. Why do I have to now spend a bunch of time writing it down or like teaching a bunch of people one off or answering questions for people on how to do it? Like that part feels like it should be scalable. We should be able to just use technology to push that away. Um, Jennifer, this has been great. I mean, we could dive into the idea of like how this works so well with remote work. There's so many different avenues we can go down, but I'd rather have you help people get, get some of this stuff happening for them. And I know you've got a, a special offer for listeners of a productive conversation today. So why don't you share that and then let people know where they can keep up with you and the, the work you're doing. Yeah. So, um, you can, you can try scribe. We have a free product. There are no limits, uh, on usage. So you, you can really go, go to town on it. Um, we, uh, to the point about tool fatigue, think a lot about how to make it really easy to get started on scribe. So we actually clock this. It takes four minutes from the moment you land on scribehow.com and click the sign up button until the moment you have already created and shared your first scribe. So it, it literally could not be easier. Um, we test this for folks across the digital literacy spectrum. So regardless of your familiarity with tools, really easy, not something else you need to figure out how to do. For listeners who want to upgrade, we have a promo code for listeners. Um, it's a productive conversation. That should be easy enough to remember, a productive conversation, put it in the promo code. Uh, and again, that's on our website at scribehow.com, scribe how.com. Um, and you can also follow me. I'm most active on LinkedIn. I'm Jennifer Smith. There are lots of those on LinkedIn, uh, but I'm the CEO of Scribe. So that should narrow it down. <laughs> Jennifer, thanks so much for having a productive conversation with me today. Thanks so much, Mike. Big thanks to Jennifer for joining me in conversation today. You can find all the show notes, any of the relative links and relevant ones that we talked about, just go to productivityist.com slash podcast 452. And if you want to help with the show, there's two ways that you can do that. Number one, visit our sponsors page. That way you can check out the sponsors that were mentioned during this episode, including text expander. Uh, you just have to go to productivityist.com slash podcast sponsors page, and then just show your love, check them out and let them know that we sent you the other way to support the show by subscribing. 
wherever you're listening right now, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, wherever, hit the subscribe button. That way you don't miss a single episode of what's to come. And it's far simpler, faster, more efficient for you to find past episodes of the podcast as well. So there you have it. That's how you can support the show. And there you have it. That's the end of this episode. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.